Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and this is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> nice. And I'm Jamie, and I'm in charge now, Phasma. I'm in charge. Okay. I hope that... Man, that sounded a lot better in my head, but all right. No, it's good. You did it. You nailed it. All right. Channeling my inner Finn. Did you do anything Star Wars this week? Um... No, I didn't get to play... I did not get to play Battlefront. I finished up Return of the Jedi, the the radio, say the NPR. Yeah. It was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. So you did the whole trilogy then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, this time around, the only person that they got from the original trilogy, other than like maybe some bit players, was Anthony Daniels. Big so he didn't do it? No, he didn't. He didn't do it. Oh. But the, all the other actors who had been in it were in it, except for Mark Hamill. He was not in it. But um, it added a little bit of... Um, it, it added some uh, interesting things, especially near the end. Like and, what? Well, I I have to think that a lot of these, these were based off of the script. Um, because, like, in the original, there was the scene where Luke sees the battle and goes to tell all of his friends, and his friends don't believe him, and that part was cut out. So I have to wonder if they're working off the original scripts just to add in extra, maybe add some context in certain places. Sure. And the thing that I found was really interesting, or kind of cool, was that at the end, with these um, with these radio broadcasts, like I had mentioned before, that they... That they talk through all their actions so the listener knows exactly what's going on and when when vader finally betray uh not well when vader finally decides that he's gonna save luke he's uh i think he's screaming my son or, or luke i can't remember it was, it was pretty late when i listened to it but he picked up the emperor and the emperor said essentially darth vader you're my slave you know what oh. are you doing and he says darth vader's your slave but not anakin skywalker Wait, he says that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Or something like that, or his servant, something like that, you know, basically sure. acknowledging that he's that he's Anakin Skywalker, not Darth Vader. Well, that's interesting. I guess they're telegraphing it for the media, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big, the visual transformation is pretty big in the movie, right, where he takes mm-hmm. off the mask and he's just this helpless old guy. Well, they do they do have that part, but, you know, just kind of the, the final turn of him uh, deciding that he, he's got to kill the Emperor. Have you heard of, sorry, this reminded me of a, a silly thing. Have you heard of the backstroke of the West? Um, no. It is the, it is a bootleg copy of Revenge of the Sith that was bought in a Chinese market and it had been dubbed into Chinese. And what they had done is they took the English subtitle track and translated it into Chinese. And then when they added the English subtitles back, rather than go back to the original track, they retranslated the Chinese back into English. <laughs> okay. And it translated the title Revenge of the Sith to Backstroke of the West. <laughs> and then a group of internet nerds got together and redubbed Revenge of the Sith with the dialogue, with a double translated dialogue from Backstroke of the West. <laughs> but the, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the internet meme of Vader screaming no. Oh, oh yeah. At the end. Yeah, but the Backstroke of the West is do not like. <laughs> or do not want. I think it's do not want. Do not want. <laughs> and so the subtitle is do not want. And I was 
I thought of that because of the redub that Lucasfilm did where they redubbed the no in at the end of uh, Return now mm-hmm. to be the same audio from the end of Revenge of the Sith, where he's yelling no when he learns Padme dies. He's yelling, they put in the exact same sound in that he was yelling do not want instead of... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I just... I just, I just keep on hearing that in a robot voice, you know, 50s robot voice, I should say. Do not want. <laughs> Do not want. It's, um, it depends on how pathetic of a Star Wars nerd you are. If you, you can watch Backstory of the West on YouTube. Parts of it are pretty ridiculous though, but parts of it are pretty funny. Mm. I, I recommend it if you're bored and like double translated things. <laughs> It's such a ridiculous thing. Sometimes I think they made it up, though. Is it, the translation so off? You know, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised in the least. Yeah, it's the internet internet troll society, right? Mm-hmm. Well, e- either way. I made a sort of a cool purchase this week. It's a, a book I've been looking at for a long time, and I got it for 50% off. It is the Star Wars UK omnibus of comics, which includes the UK comic strip from the newspaper and a bunch of production photos and things that are only available in this book so it is coming i don't have it yet but i'm very excited i might have it in a few weeks it completes my marvel um, collection of the original marvel run of comics i have the big the gigantic macquarie art book like the 2000 page one at like several hundred dollars but i once again i got it on deep discount but it was still sort of a splurge item for me but I love that book. I two volumes. It has my favorite, I think, Star Wars concept art, where it's got uh, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker fighting, and Luke Skywalker is wearing some sort of like, almost like like he's wearing a scuba mask. Yeah, yep. He looks like he looks like Star Lord. Right. That book is. I can open that book to almost any page and spend an hour just looking at it. It's so detailed and so wonderful. I've actually been going back and collecting production photos and uh, concept art for droids and Ewoks since we've been doing this project and sort of putting that together for myself. And as much as we should on these episodes, I try not to as much, but as much as we should on these episodes, some of that concept art is really cool. Like even the concept art we see in the episodes, when it's on the page, sort of like, this is what we want to do, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Have you even seen any of the... Um the art from episode seven you mean the the concept art yeah it's amazing and if you if you look through it you'll get you'll get annoyed that they didn't go with certain things yeah because it's it's just like holy cow this would have been like a bold bold move to do something like this and then they kind of went semi-safe yeah i'm hoping that they get a little braver as they go forward I mean, I think Rogue One was pretty brave. Yeah, the, even the art book for Rogue One was pretty awesome. All right, I'm getting them. You've convinced me. One of the original concept arts for who would eventually become Kylo Ren was a guy in red armor with a red circle in his mask. They didn't end up using it, but they liked the design so much that they became the Guavian Enforcer. Ah, I do like that. I do like that alien design. Looks like something out of Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Yeah. I think there was a similar one in Rogue One where it was a triangle. I'd have to look it up. No, I'm 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 all I love the concept art that they produce for these things. I think it, that's another kind of universe building for me. It's like production universe building, and they never throw anything away, obviously. And so a cool thing like a concept of drawing of Kylo, Kylo Ren becomes the Guavian Death Gang. So can we move on to 
the topic I wanted to talk about today. Oh yes, you had you had mentioned yesterday that you had some uber nerd stuff to lay on me. Oh yes, I want to make a minor correction from last week's episode, or not a correction, but a clarification. I I was giving the backstory for Jan Tosh, and I said that his Wikipedia page said that he was born on Naboo, and that I'd done all this research into his backstory and figured out all the places that he had appeared and where the story came from. But I was incorrect, or I was incomplete at least. Um, so Jantosh is from Naboo because when I was going through the Attack of the Clones script, I was looking for character names. I was actually looking for our opening gag um, bit. And there is a character called Pedrick Tosh in the script. And Pedrick Tosh is a Nabubian or Nubian. <laughs> and then you got Darth Vader, the blackest brother in the galaxy, Nubian god. What's a Nubian? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> He's a Nabubian guard. He's actually one of Queen Amidala's guards, or Senator Amidala, whatever she's called in that movie. And he's from Naboo. And his backstory is that he's Jantosh's uncle. And so that's why it says that he, that's why it says Jantosh is from Naboo. Because Pedrick Tosh in Attack of the Clones is listed as Jantosh's uncle. So there you go. I solved it. Mind blown. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad you're the bi- big enough man to admit you made a mistake, and you have a retraction ready. Oh, yeah. If we're not going to be accurate, what's the point of doing this? Yes, exactly. We we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. There's there's information about droids that I want to get through that isn't going to come up in, like, the recaps. And one of the things I want to get through is the droids toy line that sort of has an interesting backstory to it. Because um, my relationship with Star Wars... Includes the toys. I grew up and I had a bunch of toys. And looking back at the vintage toy line, I primarily had Return of the Jedi toys, which makes sense for my age and um, background. That's when I was old enough to get toys for Christmas, and everyone got me Star Wars toys, and I had a bunch of those. But I also had some droid toys, just because they were on the shelves. I thought I would just briefly discuss the toys that they released uh, in the droids toy line and what happened to that toy line, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I've, I've seen a few of them online from time to time. So I currently don't have any. I want to clarify that. Any of the toys I had were lost, but I remember two that I did have. Um, so I'm just going to run down the list real quick of the toys that were released, because there's not very many. And we recognize, I think, all of these characters. There was a C-3PO, a Jantosh, Jord Desat, Kia Mol, Kezibon, R2-D2, Size From, Thal Jorban, Tig From, and Uncle Gundy. Those, that's, that, that is all of the toys that they released for droids. Uncle was, Gundy. That's ten figures total. They're just, they're stylistically cartoony, and we can talk about toys all we want. We can get those guys from Toy Run on here as a guest host sometime, and we can all talk about toys and nerd out. But <laughs> some Star Wars toys look more like quote-unquote realistic, and some are more cartoony, they're a little bit more caricature, slightly exaggerated features. These are definitely more exaggerated features, they're definitely modeled after the Nelvana envisioning of the characters, but even in the 1980s, in 1985, 1986, this show was not popular. Like, we're dumping on it a lot, but even at the time, 
people disliked the show. And the production time for a figure is so long that Kenner, not Hasbro, but Kenner at the time, um, Kenner was eventually bought by Hasbro. Kenner had already begun production, not on 10 figures, but on 20, 20-ish, I think. Okay. And so they released the first 10, and they sat on the shelves and just warmed the peg. Right, they just sat there. Nobody bought them. Nobody was watching the show. Nobody wanted the toys. And this is why I had some when I was a kid because you could go into a pick and save and buy one for a dollar. Right, and it was a Star Wars toy. I had I had size from. And I remember fondly playing with him. He had like a he had like a soft goods poncho, like made out of felt. You're right. I'm looking at a picture right now. Yeah, I love that. I loved that toy. And Kiyomo is probably the ug- ugliest character I've ever seen in a action figure, but Kezibon, which is Monjopa when he was amnesic or whatever, that figure is also really cool. These are five points of articulation. They've got a head that can turn left and right, and they've got arms that can move up and down and legs that can move up and down. They're your classic Kenner Star Wars action figure articulation. Um, a very basic figure is what I'm trying to say. A very basic figure. The interesting thing is, is I said they released 10, but they made 20. So what happened to the rest? They weren't selling, so they so none of their vendors would buy them. Mm-hmm. And so they released Blix in Brazil. And these were the, the age when the card backs had information about the characters. Mm-hmm. And so the only card back for Blix is in Portuguese. And Blix is one of the hardest characters to find now because everybody wants the Brazilian card back. <laughs> and actually for research for the show, I have images of all the card backs, and I've, I've read them all to add interesting details to our conversations about these characters, but some of them are just, like most of them have been transcribed into Wikipedia. There's some interesting contradicting information on the different cards, but there were also other characters that were never released, and they were Admiral Screed, that character, that figure looks awesome, Gaff, which is a bug-style alien that we're going to run into soon, Governor Kong, Jessica Mead, that figure looks great, um, Keb Zel- Zelok. He's the guy in the prospecting episode that could sh- make that had that sound cannon or whatever that would disable people. Yeah, I just saw him. I was looking through Google and I came across it. Yeah, and so so these figures have leaked out over the years. Um, Monjopa and Mongo Beabob, which is the C-3PO's next master, C-3PO and R2-D2's next next and final masters, uh, Mongo Beabob. That's the next arc that we'll start next week. So these figures have leaked out over the years, too. And the great irony of these toys is that in the 80s, you couldn't give them away. Now, they are fucking expensive. A size from is $500. Not in the package. Like, just the figure with no accessories. It's 500 bucks. I looked it up yesterday because I, I wanted to talk about it this week. And I'm like, well, how much are these things going for? A C-3PO in package, which is just a C-3PO that's painted to look like he's in the cartoon, he's $1,500. These are the most expensive Star Wars toys on the market because they were so... Because nobody bought them, they ended up in warehouses. And, you know, Lucasfilm has that gigantic warehouse of toys, right? Mm -hmm. And so they would buy back the toys sometimes if they weren't selling. And so these things don't exist anywhere. You can get a George Desat or Kiamo or Jantosh for like 50 bucks off the card, loose, no accessories. And so when Playdate gets gets that ad buy, we're getting ourselves a droids action figure. <laughs> 
Holy cow. A lot of these came with medallions, it looks like. Oh, they all came with coins. That's the other thing is the coins are super valuable. They came with those little Star Wars coins. They're maybe like an inch or two across in diameter, and they were gold. And so there was also an Ewok toy line that suffered the same fate. Ewoks was a much popular, much more popular show, but the toys were never popular. And so all of these, all of the droids and Ewoks figures came with coins. And the coins are really expensive just by themselves because there's people who just collect the coins. Star Wars fans are the worst fans. I mean, the best fans. <laughs> yes. No, but the the coins themselves, you can usually find those online for 50 bucks a piece or something. I mean, it's a pretty obtainable line because there's only 25 total figures. There's less than 25 total figures, but they're all freaking expensive. I bet if you just went around to antique shops at this point and dug through their random he-man boxes of toys you would find them yeah but who has time for that yeah i wish i had time for it yeah i would love to get love to get one of these figures and stick it on the shelf next to my other guys but i have to go to stupid work yeah stupid work to get stupid money so i can't buy droids (laughs) i mean i there's just a this is just one of these things that is in the back of my mind when i'm watching these shows is like i see uncle gundy and i'm like there's an uncle gundy action figure for some reason dag nabbit yeah (laughs) <laughs> there's there's gold in them heels there's gold in their heels dang it yep, that was the guy that kept stubbing his toe that, that was his that was his shtick yeah maybe they i have to think that they just grossly miscalculated because star wars toys were very hard to come by but you know droids even though it has star wars you know characters in it and it's technically in the Star Wars universe. Nobody get kind of gave a shit. But you had to be watching it at Saturday morning, right? It's not like these were being aired when people were watching TV. It was aired when little kids were watching TV, right? And so you wouldn't get this more than you would get, like, what's the name of the pink effeminate panther? Snaggletooth? Oh, yeah. Like Snaggletooth toy? <laughs> Heavens to Megatroid. It's... <laughs> oh, back when you could... Uh... Back when you could do that sort of uh... comedy, yes, yeah. So it's just the toys are one of the things I keep in the back of my mind. The toys and the comics, and the comics are easier to forget because they don't tie into the TV show at all. But the toys are definitely based off of the TV show. So maybe in a couple of weeks before we close out droids, I'll go over the Marvel comics for droids, even though that that discussion won't be very interactive between you and me. But yeah, but I just want to, I just want to catalog it because it's part of the experience for me all right well for that you could always just make a soundboard of me just going mm-hmm. right oh right so i've got a lot of audio clips of you saying sounds like a blast <laughs> in a really defeated tone <laughs> so i'll just i'll just play that over and over again so now we're going to go over droids the marvel comic droids number four sounds like a blast <laughs> that's a wizard so wizard so that's all I want to talk about. We can move on to the cartoon if you're ready. All right. So the cartoon, we are talking about Kobe and the Star Hunters. Now, Kobe is, Prince Kobe is the son of Lord Toto, who was introduced last, last episode. He's the typical kid character. He's a smart aleck, and he's wearing a baseball cap, essentially. He's also the brother of uh, Princess... Um, what's her name? Oh, Princess Garen. Garen, Garen. that's right. Yes. Princess Garen from, who's a 
the up-and-coming consort of Manjupa. All right, so it, the episode starts with the gang is in a spaceport, and you find out that Kobe has been accepted into the Space Academy. The Space Academy, I'm not sure what that is. It, it, maybe it's a stand-in for the Imperial Academy? Anyway, yeah, that's a good question. Um, Jan Tash mentioned it last episode that he had always been wanting to go. So C-3PO and R2-D2 and Jan are taking Kobe to the Academy. He says goodbye to uh, King Jolpa and his sister. You find out that uh, the dad is just kind of shipping him off because it turns out Kobe's a bit of an asshole and he's a jerk and he's being shipped off to military school in order to straighten out and figure out what he wants to do with his life. Good and, parenting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll get into good parenting and good just... General yeah. <laughs> guardianship here in a, in a little bit. And you find out that Kobe has an inheritance from a great uncle that he just wants to blow on anything. He sees a couple war droids. He wants to buy it. R2 and C-3PO stop him. At one point, he's looking at this, this, um, this kind of this starfighter that, you know, once again, he's, he's stopped from buying it. And at a certain point, Jan goes off to check on, <clears throat> check on something and Kobe and the droids are just wandering around and they come across a ship labeled Star Hunters Intergalactic Menagerie. Now there's two guys who are talking about different animals and they notice that Kobe has essentially what is a white cat named Inji, but it's a very rare animal, so they decide to kidnap Inji. Well, hijinks ensue, Kobe blames the droids, and they end up buying that, that starfighter that Kobe was looking at before. Now this starfighter is actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you remember the show V. Um, I do, but I don't recall where this is going. I don't know where this is going. But it reminds me, it looks like a combination of the the original Battlestar Galactica fighter, the Viper, and the shuttles from V is just basically a big slant with two wings and a, a what do you call the wing on top? The wing on top? Yeah. You mean the tail fin? The tail or fin. The tail rudder? Okay. So it's basically a big slant with two wings and a tail rudder. So they buy the ship and they catch up to the Star Hunter ship and attach themselves with a magnetic lock right before they go to hyperspace. All the while, Jantosh is somewhere i don't know it's not important yeah they totally lose the escort very quickly <laughs> jantosh you uh mm, not uh i don't know how you're gonna explain this to uh lord tota <laughs> but anyways they they get to where the star hunters are going and they crash they uh send out a stress call and wouldn't you know it they're captured by ewoks oh wait no they're not ewoks they're called fuzzum which are pretty much the Ewoks stand-in for this episode, and they pretty much pretty much plays out exactly like it does in Return of the Jedi. I think they almost tease you that they're going to be Ewoks because when they're after they crash on uh, Dandelo, which is the planet they crash on, the first thing you see of the Fuzzums are the, just the spearheads, and it's almost a direct quote of the shot of all the spears poking at Han Solo exactly. in uh, Return, and then they zoom out and they're like these bird aliens. Yeah, they're um, very weird looking. So I sort of like the way they look, but I agree that they're they're strange looking. But yeah, they look like birds, almost like cotton balls on bird legs with like beaks sticking out, and that they're all wearing loincloths. And like in Return of the Jedi, they're going to eat Kobe, <laughs> and they're going to use R two D two as a as a pot. Yep. But three uh, PO is able to convince them 
that uh, they're actually good guys and they're not part of the Star Hunters. And they find out the Star Hunters have captured a lot of their people, enslaved them, ma- making them help capture more of the Fuzzums. Meanwhile, you view the Star Hunters doing some stuff and you see some very classic glasses humor. No. What I mean by classic glasses humor is that glasses get knocked off, can't find them, crunch. It's hilarious. Now, Matt, do you wear glasses? I don't... You don't, do you? No, I don't wear glasses. Okay. I don't have any correction for my vision. Oh, God, you're lucky. I This sticks in my mind because we recently just watched uh, A Christmas Story, and why is it that everybody decides when they lose their glasses to stand up? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm, if we're going to talk about glasses now... I've got a whole thing about glasses. Okay. This glasses gag where the guy, what, what the hell is his name? Let me look it up real quick. Slarm? Yeah, Slarm. So the guy Slarm is the human that's wearing the glasses. It was so obvious, and I watched these shows three to five times before we record, and so I really start zooming in on little details. I couldn't recall another Star Wars character wearing glasses. Oh, me neither. And so I had to look it up, and so it seems if people, if there's a super fan of the podcast, you'll realize that there has already been a character that we've discussed on the podcast that's wearing glasses, and it's one of the aliens in the Star Wars holiday special. In the crowd scene, I pointed out to you and I say there's some bug-looking alien wearing spectacles. But it's wildly rare in Star Wars, to the point where there's a Wikipedia article that points out every single instance of a character wearing glasses. And it says that cybernetic eyes are readily available in this universe, and people don't wear glasses. So it's strange that this character has glasses on. It's mainly there for the slapstick, I'm oh, yeah. assuming. And it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Look at that nerd in his glasses. <laughs> He's a schlubby asshole, you know. He can't even uh, keep all his hair. All right, so they fall down. All right, yeah. So Kobe <clears throat> Kobe releases some of them from their cage, but a patrol droid spots them. R2 is able to fire off uh, some sort of uh, flare that signals the Ewoks, I mean the Fuzzum, you know what I mean. Then they start freeing the rest of the captured creatures, and during the fight somehow R2 gets damaged. Sad moment. High suspense. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention that the Star Hunters were distracted by C-3PO making the sound of a rare spotted Jugadoo. <laughs> a real Jugadoo uh, <laughs> comes up and uh, hilarious stuff ensues. And they meet a, a humanoid guy named Greege, kind of just your old, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the... I don't want to say like a Grizzly Adams type. He's got a big beard. Looks like he knows a lot about nature. Named Greege. He's wearing like a MAGA hat. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of a good acronym. A good Star Wars acronym for that. <laughs> Make Alderaan great again. <laughs> so anyways, they end up with the laser. Greege has the laser. They have the Star Hunters dead to rights. Yet somehow the guy with the glasses, you know... He somehow knocks the laser out of Grieja's hands. Now the Star Hunters have it again. And it looks like everything's going badly. And then who should show up? Our hero, Jantosh. He apparently got the signal that R2 had sent off way back when they had crashed. And everything works out. And then you find out that Grieja used to work with animals. And he wants to return all the animals that the Star Hunters had captured back to their home planets. And Kobe, who has been an complete asshole for most of the show decides that he wants to give Greege his money and travel 
the galaxy with him returning all these animals. And you find out that Jantosh was accepted into the Academy. Now, I brush over that because I want to talk about this Kobe situation. Let's just have a boy just go off with some older man to travel the galaxy <laughs> that he just met. Yeah, so the Kobe thing at the end, he's basically encouraged by Jantosh to join the circus and travel the galaxy with a strange man that he just got out of jail. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> He's like, like I just sprung this guy from jail. I gave him all of my money, and we're going to travel together the ga- around the galaxy, returning animals to their home planets. Is that a cool idea, Jan? Jan's like, I don't give a shit. I just got into school. <laughs> Do whatever you want, kid. By the way, I, by the way, the reason why I wasn't here is because I was at the school pleading my case while you guys were fighting for your lives with the fuzzums. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he put on a regular shirt when he did it, but... Oh, he definitely did not. <laughs> the guy owns one shirt. And it's pretty much in two pieces. Yeah, and calling it one shirt is pretty generous. It's like .8 shirts. I can imagine his first day at the academy, and he has to button the shirt all the way up to the top, and he's just like, ah, eh, I don't like this. <laughs> and just ends up getting smoked because he refuses to... Uh, <laughs> To button his shirt. <laughs> Excellent. Closing out the summary so we can talk about the production? Yeah, let's talk about the production. Well, did you like the episode? I thought it was better. It wasn't uh, It wasn't a complete shit show like some of them have been, but it was very forgettable. I have Stockholm Syndrome at this point, and so I really like this episode. I think a lot of the things I've been bitching about in the previous episodes, this episode didn't do it. I mean, the premise is stupid or not well thought out. Like, we're going to transport him to school, and this is still part of the Tamazon arc. This is the fifth episode in that arc, but it really has nothing to do with the greater plot. This is sort of a standalone episode, mm-hmm. much more like you'd have in a Care Bears-style series where nothing really happens has consequence. There's almost no reference to any other episode except like except that the other Tamazon people are in the beginning. Princess Jiren and Lord Toda and Mount Jupa, they make appearances in the beginning, but they're only in the first like 30 seconds of the episode. I'm a lazy fucker. Not he can't take his own son to the academy. Leaves it. I mean, to, they're, they're building a new society, right? So he's, yeah, he's like, like the general, I guess. And he has to keep an eye on uh, his daughter because uh, Munchupa seems to have some serious. Uh, yeah, he's down a clown. <laughs> that reminds me. In the radio, in the Return of the Jedi radio uh, broadcast, at the very end, Leia told Luke that Han wants to make him an uncle. <laughs> awesome. So the the other thing that I really liked about this episode was that, or the thing that this episode did that others hadn't done, is that there was really consequence and there was plot. So, for example, when they get the the Black Hawk Destroyer, Black Hawk Destroyer. Yep, was the name of the ship that Kobe wanted to buy. When they get it, they're shot because they're driving erratically and. They disturb an Ithorian that's basically on a dewback, right? And and he turns around and he shoots at them and he hits their fuel tank and it leaks all the fuel out and that's why they're running out of fuel when they get to the Ark, the Menagerie. Was that an Ithorian? So I got super excited when I thought it was an Ithorian. And I looked it up and and some sources say it's an Ithorian and some sources say it's an unknown alien who's riding a dewback like monster and i 
I actually found the original production sketches of him, and I don't think he's supposed to be an Ithorian. But I can see how people could mistake it. First off, he has too many fingers to be an Ithorian, and his feet aren't the right shape. And his head isn't quite an Ithorian's head, although it, he does have the long eye stalk. Ithorians also have a bump in the back that sort of houses their brain. So I think he's he might be related to Ithorians, but he's an unknown alien, basically. And I was just mm-hmm. calling him the Ithorian because it's in my notes that he's an Ithorian. But he shoots the, the ship, and the leaking fuel is why they're running out of fuel, both when they use the mag, mag lock to lock onto the ship before it goes into hyperspace, and when they get to the planet, why they're out of out of fuel and they crash on Dandelo, right? Mm-hmm. So that's consequence. And then they set up the distress beacon just because that's what you do, and that's supposedly the resolution of the episode is someone heard the distress, distress beacon, and then Jantosh decides to pledge the fraternity tomorrow and go rescue this boy that he was put in charge of. <laughs> He's going to be butt-chugging spice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his name is Flounder, right? <laughs> so that's that's interesting. That's that's cool that they have a little bit of consequences. I think we've already talked a little bit about Fuzzums, but do you want to give your definitive summary of whether or not you like the Fuzzums as a species? <laughs> They seem a little bit more intelligent than the Ewoks, though I didn't really care for them personally, I guess, because they just, that, the whole thing was just like, that's stolen directly from Return of the Jedi. So there's two things that's stolen from Return of the Jedi when it comes to the Fuzzums. One, it's obviously a rip on the Ewoks, but there's a second species in Jabba's palace, and in the original movie you just see him in the background, and it's this, like, cotton candy on, like, stick limbs. He looks like he's completely stoned. And he's a species called a yuzum. And in the special edition of Return of the Jedi, the singer who sings with um, Snice Noodles, he's a yuzum. Like the purely CG annoying, annoying as shit. That guy, that species is a yesm. And, and the design of both species is very similar. Yesms and fuzzums. Yeah, you're right. What, what a terrible. Did you find the original yesm? No. But I'm gonna look up his name real quick so you can you can know what he is. I googled Yazum and all I can find is the singer, and it really, it's really, it's really bothering me. <laughs> all right, check Skype real quick because I'm dropping something in Skype. Makes me think about the the musical number. That guy is in the Skype window. Yes. He was the original. He was the original Yazum, the guy holding the rifle. Oh, okay. He's like wearing like leather shoes. And I think the Yuzum and the Fuzzum, at least that Yuzum, the original Yuzum, and the Fuzzums in this cartoon episode look very similar. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, just seeing the picture of uh, of him, Yo Yowza, I didn't actually know that was his name. I wish I hadn't looked, read that. Yeah, that, that really, my I'm a white hot ball of rage right now because you said that out loud. <laughs> it just, 
the nineties, the CGI just wasn't quite there yet on certain things. I mean, Jurassic Park looked great, but I, Lucas, for whatever reason, he just things did not look great in the when he put them into the the special editions. And just this picture on Wikipedia is just proof of that. Yeah. I agree. I mean, the production values for the special editions were not up to snuff by today's standards, obviously, but even by the standards back then, they didn't look great. Sort of like watching Toy Story now, which was like the best movie when it came out. You look at it now and you're like, well, they didn't have, they didn't know how to do liquid at all. This is sort of shitty. Or watch The Last Starfighter. (laughs) Or Tron. (laughs) Yeah, Tron still has a special place in my heart. We got a couple more notes. There's a production error. In the show, it's pretty egregious because when and the show begins, they're at a spaceport and it shows like a wide shot of the spaceport and there's like an A-wing that lands and there's a big dome and then they get on the transport and then they go to the second planet um, where they have a layover and they have to switch planes at the spaceport mm-hmm. and then they show a wide shot of that spaceport and it's the exact same shot as the first spaceport and the A-wing is landing again. It's a lazy animation error. As if what? they wouldn't notice. Yep, they show the same spaceport twice. And then C-3PO implies that he's very old in this episode. That is correct, They never actually, but he never actually says the age. Yeah, he says that, that he's been around for a very long time. And he's talking with Kobe, basically establishing that he's the authority and he's the adult in the room. He's saying, like, you should listen to me. I'm much older than you. And I thought that was interesting because it sort of hints at a much deeper backstory for C-3PO in this continuity. You completely skipped C-3PO's high-pitched voice. Where he falls on his butt and his head pops off. Yep, he falls on his butt and his head pops off and he gets a longer neck. And he looks like a jack-o'-lantern walking around with his neck, like, swinging on a spring. Speaking in a high-pitched voice, complaining that his voice is like this now. <laughs> that, that's the equivalent of uh, getting, getting kneed in the nuts, I guess, for a droid. I guess so. I, I mean, was... It, it was stupid, but it was... <laughs> I was just trying to get through the plot, the <laughs> summary. But he also threatens Kobe's pet. Oh, yeah, he threatens to kill, <laughs> to kill the... Uh, um, yeah, what's the name of that pet? Inji. Tessellated arboreal binge infant. Yeah, he threatens to kill it. And apparently it's a very rare animal. So that's that's something, too. Then the last thing, not the last thing, but one more thing, is uh, the guy they buy the speed, speeder from. Oh, his design. Yeah, the tentacle-armed guy. <laughs> and tentacled nose. Yeah, and tentacled nose. His name is Tobar. And he, that's the second time we've seen that salesman because he was in... The beginning of the Tamuzan arc, he was in the crowd at the droid auction where he accidentally buys Kissybon in R2-D2 and C-3PO. And we'll see him again in the upcoming arc. And so he's a reoccurring character. So something to look forward to there. Oh, can't wait. I like this I like this connective tissue that they're establishing in the show. And he was a salesman both times. And so we'll have to watch to see if he's a salesman next time we see him. And the last thing is um, the Star Hunter's ship. It's called the Star Hunter Menagerie Arc, and it is a transport ship designed to transport animals, right? Non-sentient beings, and it's used a lot, and these ship designs are very old. And apparently about 800 years before this episode, one of these ships crashed on the sanctuary moon of Endor and introduced teaks, gulpins, and tree goats to the moon. And if you're up on your Battle for Endor, Maver TV movie, Ewok movies... Teak 
is the weird looking Ewok that, uh, Ewok like creature with the white fur that, uh, helps Sindel. No. I, I tried watching one, uh, the other day and I had to stop because I wanted to pretty much throw up. It was, I thought I could, I thought I could handle it, but it was just, it was not good. Yeah, they're hard to get through, but they're part of <laughs> the Lucasfilm greater pantheon of production. So. Y- yes, but, that was never part of the that was never part of the uh, <laughs> agreement <laughs> to have no, to watch those. You don't have to watch them. I'll watch them for you. Yeah, I you actually will. actually own them. I own the DVDs, so I'm a sad person. <laughs> no, it's 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 all right. Somebody has to take on these burdens of society, and you've sacrificed yourself for the greater good. And we should all be thankful. So next Thanksgiving, when we go around. The, table and ask what we're thankful for, I'm going to say I'm thankful that Matt consumes all the really bad Star Wars as well as the good, so that way the rest of us don't have to. There you go. So I had one more note, and I don't think it might not make it into the episode or not, but uh, when Kobe frees Greege from his jail cell during their big attack on the Star Hunters base, um, Greege is thanking him and Kobe completely cuts him off. And I couldn't tell. I, I really focused on this exchange because I couldn't tell if it was a production error or if it was like a re-recording error or if they meant it. And I'm pretty sure they meant it because there's no obvious edit that's happened there. He's saying something. He's mid-word, and Kobe cuts him off. Hmm. And I don't know if it was more character for Kobe just to be that rude or what. Maybe I'll put in the clip <laughs> so people can know what I'm talking about. One of the greatest mysteries of the world. I, you know, you, you think that by this time Kobe has turned the corner and he's not such a, such a little prick anymore. But, you know, who knows? But then again, they've, this is Novana we're talking about, so it could it could easily just have been a oversight, and they just let it go because who gives a shit? Yeah. So that you do bring up a good point, though. Like the whole point of the episode is to show Kobe's growth as a human, right? Or as a as a individual, he's not a human; he's a Thomason. But it's to show his growth, right? And so. There's a moment where he says, please, to C-3PO, and C-3PO says, that must have been a first. Yes, I noticed that. And he says, thank you, and he says, another first. Later, he says, thank you, and C-3PO says, another first. And it sort of made me think of the movie Dutch, which no one has ever seen this movie Dutch. It's starring Ed O'Neill, a.k.a. Al Bundy. I remember it. Yeah, and so it's a road trip movie where Al Bundy plays like the hapless boyfriend to this spoiled kid's mother and the spoiled kid beats the shit out of him the entire time. And then they have a shared bonding, have a bonding experience and they end up best friends. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of like that, but done in a 20 minute cartoon um, with C3PO being Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill's character in Dutch. Uh, So he does sort of grow up, through the process of being like this rich brat to being someone who's willing to give all his money to a complete stranger and travel the world or the galaxy with him. 
Yeah. And who knows what kind of criminal criminal record or other freaky things Grieg is into. Yeah, I don't I don't wanna know. <laughs> like uh you were supposed to send him to military school, instead you led some old, creepy old man <laughs> take all his money and then have him as a traveling companion. I do want to clarify that the school they're going to is an Imperial Academy. Ah, okay. Is that mentioned somewhere later in an episode? It's mentioned in some supp- in some supporting material. Ah. That Jantosh goes to an Imperial Academy. So if that if he stays at that academy, then Jantosh becomes a stormtrooper. <laughs> it's a nice nice button on his arc, right? Right, and he dies at the Battle of Endor. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Brings it back to Endor, though. Yep. So I have one more tiny, tiny little factoid about this episode. It's about the production of this episode. So we're watching these on YouTube because it's pretty much the only way we can do it. Because these shows were never officially released in the United States in any reasonable format. They were, all of them were, were released on VHS in, um, the UK at some point. And then eight of them were released on DVD in the US. And I own those eight. And the eight that were, that were released were actually this arc and the next arc. The Runestone arc and the Pyre and the Tamazan arc, but um, they left off this episode from the U.S. release and from the British release. And so the only place you can find this episode is the pirated YouTube version. This episode, for some reason, has the strange distinction of being the only episode that has never had a home video release of Droids or of Ewoks. All of the other episodes have had home video releases. It's yeah, bizarre. I wonder why. It's a standalone episode. It's completely disposable. You you don't have to know anything that happens in this episode to understand what happens to people unless you really are curious if whether or not Jan gets into military school or not. <laughs> Which, if you do, you're even sadder than me. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> but I like the episode, and I, I don't understand... I mean, I honestly don't understand why they haven't released just a box set of the 42 episodes or 48 episodes of Ewoks and droids in a box set and charge 40 bucks, you know? I honestly think they're just trying to distance themselves from this sort yeah, of okay. uh, stuff. Of course. They they could be ashamed of it, but... Unless there's some sort of, like, resurgence, pretty much anything that's not canon, they're kind of, you know, backing away from. We're doing this show to make this show popular enough to get a box set. Right. We're We're the front man. We're the front line for this. My my pedantic analysis of every single background alien in these crowds will get us a box set of Blu-ray remastered Dolby, Dolby Digital bullshit everything. So that's all of my notes. All right. Do you want to uh, you want to give me your rating? Oh right. Do you want to explain the rating? No, and then I'll give my rating. We rate every episode based on a Star Wars character. Zero being something lame, like uh, Yasm, I guess. <laughs> Ten being OT characters, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, something like that. I'll give this a, a Maz Kanata. I think it's a really fun episode, and you can take it or leave it, but uh, it's good. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and it has a point and a plot, so... My bar is pretty low for these things at this point. Okay. 
I give it a Malachili. Nice. <laughs> Rancor Keeper. Good one. Thematic, too. Mm-hmm. Partially why I chose it. So, the next episode, I'm really excited about because we're going to cover the made-for-TV movie The Great Heap, which is the kickoff for the last arc of droids with Mongo Bayabod, the new master of C-3PO and R2-D2. This is slightly out of order from a production order, but in the in-universe order, it's in the right order. So this made-for-TV movie happens before the other episodes with Mongo Bayabad, and so we're going to watch it first and then watch the other close out the last arc. And so we're starting the last arc of Droids, and I'm super excited. We're almost done. Only five episodes to go, but the next episode is going to be... The plot summary is going to be long, I should say. It's a 45-minute cartoon, and it's pretty damn good. I watched it last night. I really liked it a lot. Spoiler alert. All right, well, cool. I look forward to it. Have you seen it yet? I have not. We'll see you next week, and I will have a lot more trivia about Mongo Bayabad and the Great Heap, which is a gigantic droid-eating droid. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.